Chris Brooks here, and I want to thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Did you know that we are funded by the generosity of listeners just like you? Can you help us? Partner with the ministry of Equip by calling 888-644-4144 or on equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am absolutely thrilled that you joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Today's going to be a great program. Let me start by saying thank you to all of our partners and our friends that prayerfully and financially support us. We are here every day because of God's grace shown through your generosity. So thank you so much. And I pray that this year has been a huge encouragement to you. Maybe you've been listening and you have never supported the program before. We love your partnership. You know, your partnership enables us not only to meet our our stewardship responsibilities concerning our budget, but also allows us to dream big about the future, about how we can spread the gospel through your community, uh, partnering with you and other believers in your community, but also reaching a new generation with the gospel, asking and answering with the word of God, the big questions of culture so that we might be able to bear witness, faithful witness to our living and loving Lord. So please consider partnering with us. Your generous year-end tax-deductible gift will go a long way in supporting the mission of Equip to equip Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith. All you have to do is call the number 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. I'll say it again, 888-644-4144, or go to equipradio.org. So when you hopped out of bed this morning, were you excited to go to work? Were you looking forward to seeing those folks in the office? Were you eager to uh, start on that project that you left off last night thinking about? Well, for some, maybe that's the case. Maybe you're working a job that causes you to wake up before the alarm clock. I hope that's true for you. I certainly have those days. But then there's also those days where you know it's going to be a challenge. Maybe the people that you work with are difficult people. Maybe you've had a a boss that has not been the easiest boss. Maybe you're working real hard on a project and you're part of a team and somebody else is still in the credit and you just have had a tough time at work. Or maybe you just have found yourself not feeling satisfied because work isn't giving you everything you want from it. Well, today I want to talk to you about the, the secret to getting more from your job than just a paycheck. You guys know my passion about faith, work, economics, and I'm so grateful for this wonderful book, Grace at Work, by Dr. Tim Kimmel, Timmel, uh, Tim Kimmel and uh, Michael Tooker. I'm so grateful for Dr. Kimmel. He has uh, been a guest on the program and uh, been such a blessing and encouragement. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Tim Kimmel is a founder and executive director of Grace Based Families. 
That ministry has been helping to shape marriages and parenting for decades, literally blessing tens of thousands around the country and and beyond. Tim is passionate about seeing people come to know the heart of God in every area of their life. And in particular today, we're going to talk about grace at work. Uh, Dr. Kimmel, how are you, sir? Chris, it's always good to stop by and talk with you, and I'm I'm doing great. And and uh, I, I, that was a great introduction for crying out loud. You should have written this book. <laughs> well, let me just <laughs> introduce the co-author with you, the ones yeah. who did do it. Dr. Kimmel was joined today by Michael Tucker. Michael has spent most of his career in high in the highly competitive world of corporate America. But here's what his passion is. He's seen firsthand how the culture of a workplace really impacts employees, their contentment, and uh, and also the company's bottom line. Michael has uh, recently moved from the corner office, if you will, of corporate America to working at Scottsdale Bible Church, which is uh, one of the largest churches in America. But whether he's working in corporate America or in the church world, he knows that a culture of grace makes all the difference. Michael earned his uh, undergrad degree from University of Texas and an MBA from Arizona State University. He joins me today. Michael, how are you, brother? Hey, I am doing great, Chris. Thanks so much for having us on. I, I was listening to your intro, and I'm just reflecting on the last 30 years in the in the corporate world thinking, man, I, so many days I did not want to get out of bed, and some of the yeah. days, a lot of days I really did, but man, that really that really resonated to hear you describe it that way. Yeah. Well, I'd so love to hear how you got... I'd love to hear how you guys got to know each other. So, Tim, can you just share, how would you get okay. to know Michael? Well, um, it's uh, Mike, I was teaching, my wife and I were teaching a Sunday school class in our church and uh, for young couples. And, uh, the, and Michael and his wife were brought by some friends. And, uh, and when they came in, uh, it, it, I'll, I'll use his term for it, their marriage was on fire. Uh, but it was more like a dumpster fire. It was more like a car fire. Their marriage was in an absolute free fall. It was beyond, uh, I wasn't even on life support. And all of it was because he had, he had had a, 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 an incredible rise up to the top of the thin air of executive leadership. And he embraced all the wrong values on his way there. And, in the, and when he got there, he realized I, I'm I'm going to lose the thing that most valuable to me, my 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 wife and my wow. kids, in this. Wow. So so they walk <laughs> into your life. What happens yeah. from there? Yeah, and, and by the way, he he did not know the Lord when he walked in, and she had just come to know the Lord just briefly before that, and so they 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 were coming there and, and desperate. So why don't you, Michael, take it from there, and you kind of tell them how how God worked from there. Yeah, so you know, I've been thinking about this as we've been talking to folks. It's almost as if we got wheeled into this class on a gurney. I mean, it, it was like we're we're in triage, we're we're in the ER, and um, and Tim described it well. You know, we I had bought into all the kind of the the, the trappings of the world: the get the title, get the money, climb the ladder, um, build a name for yourself, build a reputation, get some success in your slice of the pie on the on the way up. And, and what I found was it was all that was bankrupt. And a lot of that was just me mismanaging, you know, on the way up my priorities. And uh, Chris, I'll, I'll describe the moment when I came to, to know Christ. 
which was you know, picture of my wife and I, we've, we've been in counseling for, I don't know, six months or so. And it was two o'clock on an August, you know, early morning, 2004. And she just said, you know what? I don't love you anymore. I don't even like you. Just leave. Just, you wow. know, you're never here. And when you are, you're just a jerk. Um, just go and make this easy on me. I'll raise the boys by myself. And it was in that moment that I, I, I literally, I had had somebody say to me years before, you have the life of a king. She was a believer. Um, and and she, re- she kind of referenced this, the notion of Solomon. She had, had everything. And, uh, and she was, and I just, in that moment, I said, I had the life of a king, Lord, and I squandered it. And I don't know what to do to put this back together, but boy, if you, if you'll take me, I'll follow you. Cause I, I got nothing. And I was that executive that, that I'm a fixer. I'm a builder. I'm a, you know, a solver of sure. problems and I sure. had nothing. And so, so that was the condition that we came in. And what, what I found was two things. One was thank goodness for Kimmel because, you know, he was the leader of this class. Yeah. He was my first introduction to Christ and what I found was this, this whole idea of grace and truth. And what I started to experience was, you know, God picking me up from that, you know, end of my rope and extending his grace to me um, and, and experiencing grace from my wife as good women came alongside her and said, hey, don't give up on this man. So I, I, I and I started so to learn the, the, the head knowledge of what is God's grace, because Tim, that was his ministry for, you know, as you said, for decades was codifying a model of grace so I, I could under, start to understand how who God is and how he deals with us. And then I could start to experience grace from, from Christ and from, from people around me. And by putting those two things together, I got a whole different picture. It was kind of that Ezekiel. I, you know, God ripped out my heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. Yeah. And, and that was kind of the moment. That was how Tim and I came together. Well, mm-hmm. you know, through that, obviously, God forged a phenomenal friendship and one of yeah. the Many, many blessings of that friendship is the book I hold in my hands, mm-hmm. Grace at Work, and I, I love it. Tim, I'll ask you another question before we go to break. Mm-hmm. What what do we get wrong about our expectations for work? Well, I think we turn to work for what we want to get from it. And and the things that we're asking it to deliver, it maybe it was never intended to deliver. Uh, make me complete. Uh, make me rich. Uh, give me power give me influence, make me happy. And, and, and what we show in the book is that we, we look at God's whole plan for work from the beginning, and even though it was flawed through the, our sin, it, it's still his plan. And, and maybe if all along it wasn't so much what God wanted us to get from work, but what he wanted us to bring to work. And that's what this wow. book talks about. Wow. Well, this book obviously is uh, a continuation of this thought of grace and Michael, mm-hmm. when I when I think of your book, I couldn't help but to think of that JFK quote, that famous gay, JFK quote: "Ask not what your job can do for you, but what mm-hmm. you can do for your job." Is is that kind <laughs> of the heart here? That is the absolute heart of it, Chris. You, I mean, you just nailed it, and and that's and it's such a it's such a simple thing. I mean, there's you know the the, the, the mystery is not it's not a big mystery, right? It's just like Tim said, it's, it's not what you're trying to get out of it, but what do you bring into it? And and that for me was a, was a massive shift. And and part of the reason, Chris, I really had, I feel like God laid this book on my heart because as I look at my career, I had 13 years in the workplace as a non-believer. And now I've had 18 years in the workplace as a believer. And there's such a profound difference in just that little shift of saying, Hey, I, I'm, 
this is not about me. This is not about what I can extract from the job, but it's about what I, what do I bring to it and to the people around me. And it, it completely flips the script on, on, on your relationship with work. All right, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I'm going to ask these guys some really tough questions. Like, how do you love the difficult person who's sitting in the cube next to you? Maybe even now where you got your earbuds in your ear listening to this interview. How do you love that person? How do you bring grace to a difficult workplace? We're going to dig into that. And what is God's purpose for work in our lives? I got two great experts on grace and work. And I don't want you to miss it. You stick and stay. We're going to get into this book, and I believe it's a blessing. During the break, find out how to order your copy of Grace at Work. Go to our website, equipradio.org. You'll have all the details there. We'll be right back. The story of Jesus' birth is full of hope, promise, and wonder. But in today's culture, much of the miraculous Christmas story has been watered down or filled with pagan myths. So if you want to know the verifiable facts surrounding Jesus' birth, you'll want a copy of Is Christmas Unbelievable? by apologist Rebecca McLaughlin. Request your copy today when you support Equip with a gift of any amount. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. My guests, Dr. Tim Kimmel and Michael Tooker, they have co-authored a book, Grace at Work, The Secret to Getting More from Your Job Than a Paycheck. Michael, before we went to break, we were talking about what the book is is all about, but I, I just want to let our listeners know that the publishing process, the writing process, that, that's a slow journey. That's not like overnight. And it's interesting to me. I'd love to hear how long it took for this project to come together and how you feel about the incredible timing of God that it would be released right now after a pandemic during the great resignation where so many people are rethinking how they work. It's, it, it seems like perfect timing. Yeah, well, about eight years ago, Chris, uh, I, you know, I worked for, for uh, Grace Space Families for about four years. And when I, I left there and went back into the marketplace and, and Tim and I got together for coffee and, and he's, he just checked in and said, hey, how are things going? And do you miss this? And I said, you know, I love being in the marketplace doing ministry, but I feel like God just laid this sweet burden on my heart that that book we talked about and dreamed about, I, I feel like I need to write it. And he said, well, write the book. I'm like, well, easy for you to say, Kimmel. You've written 16. I've, I've written zero. <laughs> right? So, so we set out on a journey to write the book. That was eight years ago, Chris. And wow. I'll say the first edition of the book is in the trash can somewhere. Um, the second half book is also in the, 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 the trash. And, and I, I got to tell you that, that this book, I, at one point, I was trying to write this on my own. And I came back to Kimmel and I said, hey, Tim. I'm writing this book, but what I'm finding is I keep ripping you off. You, you've spent 30 years codifying this model of grace. And I said, I really want people to hear you talk about that and me talk about the application of it in the workplace. And so it, it was a, 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 you know, a long process, Chris, but, but I do, as people say, right, God is rarely early, but always on time. And I do feel like mm-hmm. this book is just so timely given the pandemic, given the great resignation that, that we've, uh, we've experienced over the last year or so. And so I, it's just been a really sweet journey, but it took a long time to get it from, to get it just right. And I really believe that this is exactly what God laid on my heart and Tim's heart and exactly what we want people to, to hear is, is who is this God and what is his grace? And what can it do in your workplace? 
Dr. Kimmel, I want to ask this question of you. This isn't, and I want to just make sure people know this. This isn't a book about evangelism, or at least not directly. It's something different. So can you define for us what grace is and how that applies to work? Because I don't think people, many people, connect those two concepts, grace and work, in the same sentence. Yes, I am so glad you asked that question the way you did, because this book is not a book about going to work and just pushing Jesus and and talking about Jesus and putting verses up and and starting a Bible study and all that stuff. Now, we're being paid to go to work and work, but there's ways to influence people for Christ. And so uh, what's, what's interesting about grace, let me give you a definition of grace. There's a lot of them out there. My favorite one is giving people something they desperately need but don't necessarily deserve. Wow. Like like that guy you talked about in the cubicle that's that, that's just a nightmare or that boss that has no business being in charge of people the way he deals with them or or, or the you know the the egocentric people or the fragile people or the drama queens and kings that you you work around. That that's 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 there but but here but but here's the thing God called us to those very people. In, 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 in the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He wasn't just talking about the people that love us back. He was talking about just loving everybody. And, 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 here's, and, and, and what, what, what we find interesting about our work arena is it has something in common with another group of people we spend a lot of time with, and that's our family. And that is other than our spouse, other than our spouse we don't get to pick any of the people in the picture. we're stuck with them and and they're the very people we're supposed to call to love and sometimes the hardest people to love but god has called us then so this book is not a book about modeling jesus at work it's a book about following jesus at work and god called us to 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 care for people love people and and then what let me say something else about grace too to clarify what what it's not grace isn't about being a doormat and let people push you around and not having boundaries and not having consequences, not speaking up when you need to speak up. That, that's not the grace that God shows us in the Bible. God didn't erase the boundaries on us. He didn't throw the rule book overboard. Uh, you know, there are still consequences. Them yes. whom God loves, he disciplines. But yes. when we come to work, it's how we do what we do. This book is about simply bringing Jesus to work with you yes. and letting his, his love just shine through you. That's so good, so good. And if we bring Jesus to work with us in many ways, we'll draw more people to Jesus than what we could have ever imagined, as opposed to being uh, the evangelist who has a terrible personality at work. Nobody likes that guy either. Just right. (laughs) Nobody likes that guy either. Chris, can I can I comment about it? Because if we lead, if we come into work and see there's a big mission field, and we start witnessing and all this stuff, they're going to start to scrutinize how we work. Yes. Right away. And if we don't hit, hit, hit it out of the park consistently, we're in trouble. But if we come to work and we're working hard and we're caring for people and we're a good team person and we build people up and all that stuff, we win a, a right to be heard in people. And more likely, they're more likely to turn to us when life's up against them and say, I need help. Michael, and we can show them the gospel. Michael, this is one of my great passion areas. Uh, my undergrad degree is in finance and a master's degree is in theology, and I've lived my life trying to figure out what's the intersection of faith, work, economics, and, and theology. I think there's some deep inter, intersections. But I remember working before I was a pastor, 
uh, in the financial services arena, Morgan Stanley. And the, it was interesting. The, the harder I worked and the, and the more that I did a good job at work and served my boss and my coworkers well with, the, with what I couldn't label at that time is what you're describing in this book, showing grace. Man, the more people wanted to know about my faith, exactly wanted to right. know about uh, why I, I was the way that I was. But I want to I ask a question. You know, when I read books, one of the pages that really jumps out to me is the dedication page. And, uh, and, and I'm reading this dedication page, and one of the people that you, in part, dedicate this book to, Michael, is your dad. Tell us a little bit about your dad and what you've learned from him about work and culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about my dad. He, he's uh, a hero to me. Uh, I look at his life, and his, his life started, really, or his story uh, when he was 13 years old, uh, he, he and his mom and dad lived in a mobile home in central Phoenix, unair conditioned. So, you know, 115 degree summers and they live in a really small unair conditioned place. He and his mom went to church and came home and his dad was gone. And so he, uh, he did what a, you know, hard scrabble Midwestern boy does is he went and got a job at age 13. And then you look, you know, at the end of his career, he retired as a fortune 50 CEO and chairman of the board. And, and so I look at, at his life and just an amazing story of just hard work, um, more of a Judeo Christian than a, than a, you know, than a Christian. But then you have to, you have to look at my mom as well. Um, she was this kind, uh, warm, compassionate, loving person. And I love how my, my dad tells the story, even he's still, still alive. He's 80, you know, 83 years old now. And, and he, whenever we get together, he always says, boy, it's a good thing that you and your sister got the best of me and your mom, because if you got the worst of us, you'd be real jerks. Uh, but, 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 uh, but I just, I, I love that. But, but I look at his life and, and, um, and it, it had a, a real imprint. Um, and my mom had a real imprint. And, and as I describe it to people is I have a business mind and a pastor's heart. And so I think good. that's what, what we have to come to, to work with is, is that business mind and a pastor heart. And, and you guys just both talked about it is you got to show up to work and be good at your craft, whatever your craft is. You know, if you're a bricklayer or a corporate executive or a doctor or nurse or a teacher, you've got to be excellent at your at your craft um, and have that mind for it. But you also have to have a heart for your work. And that's where because you're in you're on people. And right. You know, Christ made us to be in relationship with others. And if we just look at the father, son and spirit and say, what were they? They were in relationship. And so much of what we learn about how he deals with us is how how that, you know, the, the Trinity deals with each other. And it is relational and it is gracious. And so, so that was a, really a big part for me was looking at my dad and his success and learning to work hard, learning to do the job you're in with excellence. And from my mom, really learning to have a heart for everyone around you and their, their pain they're in, the, their needs, and how do you meet those and love them and care for them. And then later, once, once you drop Christ on my life, then I say, okay, now I'm going to do it for the glory of God out of my love for what he did for me. And it, and it takes on it. There's a new power source. And, and Chris, I think that's a, a really big thing here is when you're dealing with difficult people, if you're dealing with them on your own strength, you can only get so far because at some point they just they just ring out the, the joy of your life and they ring that's out right. your, your ability to keep going. But but if you've got that spirit within you as your power source, then, then it takes your, your whole your whole level of excellence in your job and your whole level of caring for people. To, to just a different a different level that you can't get there on your own. Dr. Kimmel, you've been in leadership positions. You've also built a great ministry. 
I, I want to ask you, how does grace look from two kind of seats or two perspectives? First, a person in leadership, and then the person who maybe isn't in an executive position that maybe doesn't feel empowered to change the culture. What does it look like from those two seats? Well, there's something that both of them have going for them if they if they bring Jesus to work with them, and and that is they have His power um, to to bring to work to them, His influence on people, and and you know I can summarize the whole point of this book in one sentence, and it speaks to both the the leader and the follower, and that it's it's simply going to work and treating the people you work with and the work for the way God treats you. And, and that's what we do in a book, Chris. We just unpack. This is how God is treating you and me as, as he deals with us graciously. Now, let's just go to work. And, that's, and, and let's not so much do this for the people, but let's let him do that through us for the people. That's the very same things. And so if I'm in a position of influence, I'm in management or executive leadership, or I own the company, boy, I can, I can set the temperature of what the, the culture of that work is going to be like. But if I'm just a little minion, uh, bottom of the food chain, I can still have huge influence over every person I come in contact with and, 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 and uh, in the process still affect the ultimate culture. You know, I think about what you just said, and it's such a radically different way than what most of us have been trained to think about work, to engage in work, and certainly to have the impact that Christ wants us to have at work. All right, we got to take another break, but but I want to read this sentence, and then we're going to unpack it when we come back. Here's what Michael and Tim say. You can't avoid the challenges of the marketplace, but you can change the way you operate in the marketplace. How? By loving the people you work with the way God loves you. Man, that's a radical concept. What does it mean to love the people at work? We're going to define it. We're going to talk to you about levels of it. And I believe you're going to be tremendously blessed. While you're on this break, order your copy of Grace at Work. Maybe it's something you can read together as a team. Imagine how your culture would change if everyone brought grace to work. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks, having a fascinating conversation with Dr. Tim Kimmel and also Michael Tooker. We're talking about their new book, Grace at Work, The Secret to Getting More from Your Job Than the Paycheck. Maybe you're listening today and you say, Chris, if ever there was a day I needed some encouragement about my work and my workplace and the the co-workers that I work with, well, today is that day, and I hope that this program is a blessing to you. But if it is, share it with other people. Take the link to our uh, website, put it on your Facebook or Twitter page, share it out from there so that others can be impacted by this great conversation with Tim and Michael as well. Now, Michael, I have uh, worked in Christian higher ed. I've heard a lot of great commencement speeches. Um, but when I think about most of the commencement speeches that I've heard, even uh, the ones that I heard in my various graduations, so much of them revolve around you doing what you love, finding what you love, loving your job. When I think about the world, it doesn't seem like a lot of people have that luxury. So my question to you is, do we have to 
love our jobs to be truly happy? No, you don't, Chris. I mean, it's, it, I think we're, that's part of what we talk about the, the, some of the myths that we buy into about work is we, we think that we actually have to. And, and, and you hit it right on the head, right? We, sometimes we get that from commencement speeches or you know, you know, nice little quotes that we see on you know, Pinterest or Instagram or wherever. But, but at the end of the day, no, you don't, you don't have to, to love your job to be happy. What you have to do is you have to learn how to love people around you. And if you can learn how to love people around you, you, you can find joy in, in, in any work. Sometimes it's harder, right? Sometimes it's the job itself in total is tough. Sometimes it may just be a season in your job or a particular person at your job. But, you know, you're going to run into adversity. And, and, um, but, but at the end of the day, right, God calls us to, to, to work as unto the Lord and, and find joy in our work. And so uh, if, if that's what he's asking us to do, we can do that. I mean, he's, he's going to give us the power to do that. But again, if we try to do it on our own strength, it's going to be tough. But if we can try to do that under his power, uh, we can find a pathway to, to do that. You know, we've talked about, uh, Tim, a number of different personalities at work. But I want you to define the term love. Because, again, that's not a natural concept when it comes to work. What is love uh, and and Mm -hmm. how does that apply love to work? Yeah, Uh, great question, Chris, because I think we use love so broadly and and about things that 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 I think it, it makes sense if we pin it down when we're talking about relationships. And this is a definition that my wife and I kind of uh, came up with a long, long time ago, early on in our marriage, because we felt we needed this. And, and it applies here big time. Love is the commitment of my will to your needs and best interests, regardless of the cost. Wow. And that cost is to me. The, the commitment of my will to your needs and best interests, regardless of the cost to me. So you have some guy uh, that, that is a nightmare. Well, he could well be uh, acting out the, the fact because one of his three inner needs has just not been met well. Maybe not, none of them have. He's, we all have a need to know we're secure. We all have a need to know we're significant. We all have a need to know that we're strong or sufficient for the moment. And if I can come in and by my the way I deal with them, start to meet those un, unfulfilled needs in a proper way and how I treat them, and how I show kindness to them and respect to them. It's amazing how we can turn around the, the people around us and, 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 and get a whole lot more out of our job. So we, we may not necessarily love our job, but we can start getting a whole lot more out of it, I think, when we bring Jesus center stage. Yeah, oh. and Chris, can we, let me add something yeah. to that. I yeah, think one sure. of the things, since hearing that definition, because there is such power in that definition, whether that's me as a husband or a dad or, or a leader in the workplace, and when I heard that definition, one of the things that I've done um, with, with teams at work is when I come into a new job, I, I make it very clear to people that look, this is how I approach my job. And I share that definition with them. And I set the stage to say, look, everything that I do is, is designed to, to understand who you are, understand what's in your best needs and interest. And sometimes that's going to feel really nice and warm and it's going to be recognition and appreciation and kind words. But other times it's going to be really tough. We're going to have hard conversations about about maybe some mistakes you made or about performance issues that I see or a conflict between you and peers or whatever. But, but if everybody knows that, that I'm, I'm having all of those conversations, regardless of how they feel to them, out of my desire to do what's in their best interest, it really, it does an amazing thing with a, with a team and a culture is it just sets the, set the stage for people to say, okay, I know that you're committed to me. 
I know that you're studying me and you're, you're whatever we're doing, it's in my best interest. And it's, it's, it's really, it's been a really powerful thing for me just to take that definition, share it with the people around me that I lead and have that and, and see how they respond to it. Um, because it, because when people know you're, look, you're doing this for me and you won't always sure. get it right. Sometimes you'll m- misstep or you'll say the wrong thing or you'll, you'll be off in your assessment, but at least I know you're committed to me. And that's a really powerful thing when people around you know that you're committed to them. You know, I think a big part of shaping work culture is common uh, readings together. Uh, obviously, there's common experiences. There's hiring and firing based off of values. But I, I just think about your book as a common reading. You know, I think about for for us here and for a lot of folks who are listening to this program that may be in leadership or executive positions, what, what if you not only read through Tim and Michael's book yourself – but what if this was a part of the onboarding process? What if this was something you placed into the hands of your management team and say, hey, this is what I want us to model and to lead out so that folks can know this is what we embody. Man, you talk about radically changing the culture of your place. You can do it. It doesn't just happen because you think, man, this place stinks. I wish it was better. You know, that doesn't change the culture. Uh, And it doesn't change just because you hire the next great person. That doesn't change it. You got to have your values defined. I think this book does a great job of it. I'm sorry for the commercial, Tim, but let me get back to the content of the book. Tim, you uh, allude to three core needs, internal needs that we all have. Can you just mention those? Sure. Everybody, everybody listening right now has a driving inner need to know they're secure. And and what we can do at work is bring a secure love to how we deal with people. And that secure love that that we're bringing is one that we have already through our relationship with Jesus. The second thing everybody needs is to know they're significant or they have intrinsic worth and value. They make a difference. They, they can contribute. And and we we do that by voicing a significant purpose in people, catching them doing things right, encouraging them, critiquing them with graciousness to make them better. And then everybody needs to know that they're strong or sufficient for the moment they're in. And, you know, there's so much about the workforce that makes us feel uh, inadequate in, 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 in it. And, and when we come along and we can be uh, uh, um, uh, uh, an asset to people really being able to seize the moment better, everybody's stock value goes up relationally and, and, and the bottom line is affected. And ultimately, I think we get a whole lot more joy out of what we're doing. Now, you you also make a bold claim, not only a whole lot more joy, but uh, Tim and, and and Michael, you believe this really helps the bottom line, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And I, I think a good example of this is if you, if you look at Chick-fil-A, right, their, their internal, one of their internal sayings is that the, their culture is about where good meets grace. And most companies are good. But, the, but most companies are also trying to say, okay, what is it that's going to distinguish us to our customers and to our employees and make it a great place to work and a, and a, and a, and a top uh, brand? And so I think Chick-fil-A is just a great example because if you said, well, how good can a chicken sandwich in a fast food restaurant be? It can only be so good. But where that good meets grace, people, if you walked into Chick-fil-A, you'd get there's something different about it. 
Yeah. And I think that's what we're saying here is that that different that grace that you bring to work because we we talk in the book about you know companies for ages um, have have tried to say what can we do to retain people attract people. Um, make this a great place to work, and and they try all the gimmicks. You try the ping pong tables and the free coffee and the extra vacation time or whatever. But at the end of the day, those things are are inadequate、um, because they're earthly. But you drop something supernatural into a workplace like Grace, and you get an entirely different outcome. So good, so good, gentlemen. Listen, I can't prove this theologically, Michael, but I'm convinced that the Chick Fil A sandwich is manna from heaven. I can't prove it. But I'm convinced of it. Listen, we're going to go deeper into their book, "Grace at Work: The Secret to Getting More from Your Job Than a Paycheck." I want you to order your copy, maybe to read alone, maybe to read as a team, maybe for you to bless an executive or a leader in your life. Go to EquipRadio.org. We'll be right back. It's December, and here at Equip, we want to thank you for your generous gifts throughout this year. Your donations blessed others with the truth of the gospel, and together we're pointing people to the life-changing hope and freedom of Jesus Christ. Let's finish this year strong by continuing to support this ministry and program, or become a first-time investor in the ministry. Give us a call today at eight 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 six four four forty one forty four, or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. There's never enough time when you're talking about a passion area of your life, and grace at work is one of those passion areas for me. And I think it can be revolutionary for you as well. If you want to lead a great organization, why wouldn't you? If you're going to lead one, might as well do a lead one that's great.、Uh, you can create a culture that transforms people, not just the people that work for you, but the people who come in contact with you. That's what Grace at Work is all about, but it's not what you think. It's not just about what you get out of work, but it's about what you bring to work, and that's liberating and empowering all at the same time. My guests today, Dr. Tim Kimmel and Michael Tucker, have、uh, collaborated to write this、uh, great work. Listen, guys, this is the last segment, so it's kind of like rapid fire round. I want to throw out a couple questions.、Okay. We'll see if we can get to it.、Um, my, my first question is this. Is that when、uh, you think about freedom at work, Tim? What comes to mind? Well, this is a vital part of active grace because God God sets our hearts free, and He does it by giving us four wonderful freedoms on an ongoing basis through His grace. The freedom to be different, and that means like weird, bizarre, strange, goofy, quirky. Our workforces are filled with those, and and we can come and honor those people and 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 celebrate those people. He gives us the freedom to be vulnerable, and there's a lot of fragile people at work. And when we make it a safe place for them to work through their vulnerabilities, it's amazing how much better we bring,、uh, how much more good out of them. A freedom to be candid,、mm. where they can they can they can they can exchange what's on their heart without feeling like they're going to have their head handed back to them. Now, obviously, that needs to be done respectfully. The best way we can do it is always speak respectfully to them when we have to say hard things. And the last thing, the fourth freedom is. The freedom to make mistakes, to be imperfect. Most of the mistakes people make at work, they didn't mean to. But but when they do, they they don't need to be fearing that this could be the end of their job for them. Now, if there's something deliberate, it it might mean that. But even that, we need to deal with 
uh, uh, graciously. So the freedom to be different, vulnerable, candid, and make mistakes is, is, is the game changer when it comes to setting a climate for God's grace so at good. your work. So good. All right, Michael, here's my question for you. Some will say, hey, this is kind of Pollyanna. Uh, mm-hmm. What about the hard moments? Are there moments where you got to fire people? There's difficult mm-hmm. moments. How does this apply to those moments? Yeah, Chris, of course you have to do hard things. I mean, I, I, I have had to terminate a lot of employees, a lot of really good people, um, sometimes for an economic downturn, sometimes for poor performance, sometimes for workplace violence. I mean, you name it, we've had it um, happen. And, um, and you have to have tough performance conversations. And, and, but, but the way I describe it or I think about it is that, you know, I look at Jesus and how did he deal with the Pharisees? How did he deal with the money changers? He did hard things, but he did it graciously. And he, and he stepped into those important moments where tough things had to happen. And, and, and one of the, the, mo- the most powerful moments, um, I had to terminate a, a Marine and I, I had to walk him out to his car. And he looked at me and he said, hey, Michael, he said, um, uh, he said, uh, I know that, uh, that you had to do this, um, but there's only one person in the company that I, that I would have ever wanted to d- have this moment with, and it was you, because I know you cared for me. Mm. I know you loved me. I know mm. you were fair. And, um, and, and so that, to me, is what it's about, is I think that's where, as Christians, is we want to live a life that is honoring to Christ, that is a pleasant aroma to Christ. And, and those moments where we have the ability to be most pleasing to our Lord and Savior is when we do the hard things and we do them well and we do them the way he did them and we do, we do them with grace. And so there's a lot of tough stuff, Chris, but I think Christians should be known for being the, 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 the most, um, uh, the people most willing to confront the most difficult moments and wade into them and handle them in an uncommon way um, that honors people and, and, and just does the hard things that have to be done. Man, Michael, I can think of high praise that a lot of folks have given to their bosses at at their job. I, I've never heard someone say that though. What what mm. what a compliment! There's no mm. one else I'd rather have this difficult moment with than you. That that to me speaks volumes. Okay, uh, Tim, I, I think I'm going to land a plane with you, and, and okay. let's just talk about balance because we've yeah. talked about work as if it's the only thing in life. But it isn't, is it? No, no. It, 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 we have all kinds of priorities that, that uh, vie for our attention. And, and, and balance is a word we often use, but in the book we, we, we said really the word we should be thinking about is equilibrium. Mm. Because balance is about two things that are offsetting each other. But equilibrium is more like when you fly a plane. There's a whole lot of things you have to do simultaneously. And, and, and I think the typical mistake that Christians make when it comes to their priorities, they say, okay, I want to have God first. Okay, then my marriage, then my kids, and uh, then my work, my friends, uh, or maybe my church ahead of those. And, and you see, that's compartmentalizing it all. The best way is you think, okay, there's God, there's God in my marriage, God in my kids, God in my work, God in my church, God in my friends, God in my health, God in my money. In other words, he needs to be in the center position in our life. The, the, the position he best uh, works from and, the, and, and absolutely deserves because he bought and paid for it on a cross is the driver's seat. And when he's there, his grace will become the default mode of our life. You guys have uh, really presented a gift to us in the body of Christ and beyond. And for those of us who are in executive leadership, Man, what a what a great resource to again rally our team around. 
You know, I heard uh, Michael of a of an executive once who said to his employees, "I'll give you one hundred bucks at Christmas time if you read this book." And he had a book that he wanted them all to read, and they all read it. And the to get to one hundred bucks, they just had to sit down with their boss for about thirty minutes <laughs> and share what they got out of the book. Hey, that's a great idea for somebody who says, <laughs> "I want to change the culture." around this place you can do that maybe you're a new leader and you're in a place that it feels toxic let's be honest sometimes workplaces get that way it doesn't have to stay that way you can model grace at work you can bring grace to work michael i'll give you the final word what do you hope people get from the book when they read it i tell you chris i my, my number one desire is that people come to know the lord and walk with him uh, and if if this book helps people understand who is jesus uh, how does he deal with you? And it draws them into a relationship with him uh, and helps them walk with him uh, into their workplace. Boy, that, that's what I want for our, our, your listeners and our readers is to just know Jesus and, and live a life chasing after him. Well, Father, we pray before this program, and now we pray it with all of our mm-hmm. listeners listening in that you would use this to open up a new door mm-hmm. of grace into the hearts of the listeners Uh, Lord, that we who trust and believe in you would carry your grace into our workplace, that we would be difference makers, that we would help people, the people around us, to win at work. And, Lord, we trust that as we do uh, that your name and your fame will spread, Lord. Bless us this day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Hey, Tim. Hey, Michael. Thank you, brothers. No, man. Hey, Chris, thank you. This has been a real pleasure to be with you, Chris. Thank you. Friends, I want to encourage you, get your hands on a copy of Grace at Work. If you've not not already done so, what are you waiting for? Go to our website, equipradio.org. Subtitle, The Secret to Getting More from Your Job Than a Paycheck. Uh, Hopefully you, you see how this can not only be revolutionary for you, but for others. But remember, even if it's just you, The power of one person makes a difference. One person standing for what is right in the midst of difficulty and crises is the story in many ways of how the gospel has transformed the world. And so today, you be that one person. Live differently and watch others follow your lead. Well, friends, I can't wait till we're together again. Before we go, though, let me encourage you to stand with Equip. If you've been blessed, encouraged, empowered by our guests and our resources, can you consider partnering with us today? We have to finish the year strong. Uh, There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If we're going to have the ability to dream big about 2023, if we're going to be here with you uh, in 2023 and all that will come in the upcoming year, we need your support today. So can you consider a year-end, one-time, generous, tax-deductible gift? If you could do that today, that'd be a huge blessing. Phone number 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Or go to equipradio.org. And until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Christians be relevant in today's world? This is Chris Brooks. 
I'll be talking over several key items Christ followers are facing in today's culture. It's time to combine critical thinking with biblical truth as we answer the challenges of our time and speak confidently to those who need to know our Jesus. Join me on the next edition of Equip. Listen live weekdays at 1 Eastern, noon Central on the Moody Radio app or EquipRadio.org.